You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's Monday, so welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast with Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker, here to break down Illinois football. And a week after such a great performance, great win against Penn State, Illinois loses to Rutgers. And uh, there's there's no way of saying it, Jay, other than, of course, that that's, seems like it's just Illinois football in a nutshell there. A top 10 win followed by a home loss to a team that was 0-4 in the Big Ten. It's, it's just frustrating that they can't you know take two steps at a time. They can't stand success, I like to say, right? It just felt like very, if you followed this program for a number of years, like I know a lot of your listeners have, it it just, it's so hard not to say, here we go again, right? Because we've been, we've we've watched that movie before. We've watched this one before, right? And uh, we've seen with him, you know, my kids are watching the Karate Kids for the first time and they love it. I've watched the movie before. I know what's going to happen, right? But, you know, so it's kind of like I'm watching Karate Kid over and over and over. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the ending's not as good as Karate Kid because we keep losing when we're supposed to be winning. But um, they couldn't sweep the leg, Jay. They couldn't sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. You know, we're not playing dirty, right? Anyway, um, that being said, I still think we're headed in the right direction. There were some positives to take from the game, but ultimately, um, when you have Rutgers on the schedule, you look at that as a very winnable Big Ten East crossover matchup. And you circle that game and say, okay, this is a game we got to win if we want to go to the postseason. Certainly just didn't get it done. Yeah, and it's just a shame because if you're four and five right now, um, or if you'd even won one of the toss ups earlier, uh, you'd feel great about where your season is on, on the field. Uh, let's talk about one positive first here, Jay. And would, would you know it? The best quarterback game you get of the year, you don't win. Uh, so we'll talk about why that was the case. But Brandon Peters looked great. Um, right. That looked like the talent. We know that talent is there from some previous performances. Whether he can be consistent with it the rest of the year, we don't know. But what did you see different with, with Brandon going 14 of 19, hitting the deep shot with Isaiah Williams, and just looking – Confident and decisive back there, which are two traits we haven't seen. Right. Um, first, I was really happy for Brandon. I think that's you know w- good for him. Second of all, um, how much did Sikowski pushing him have a have an impact on him? And now Sikowski's out, and he's really the only guy. Um, I know that Sikowski really wasn't pushing him, um, you know, going into camp. But I always felt like, uh, I mean, going into the first game rather. But after Sikowski played well and Brandon came back, I think he kind of felt like, hey, Art's a guy that can push him. So I think he felt more comfortable. Uh, those are the best deep balls we've seen him throw, right? There's been guys open, but he really dropped in there great to Isaiah Williams. And it's so shocking to me when I see receivers get yards after the catch. Like when I saw Casey Washington get some yak, it was like the first time I remember seeing that happen. Isaiah's done a little bit, right? But like, it was the first time I've actually seen some like, that happen. I was like, wow, 
it was like shocking, right? Yeah, I agree. Like that was like I, the Williams play was amazing, right? It was a huge right. play, but but the Casey Washington one is like the one I wanted to highlight on my film review, Jay, because it was like there's 19 yards of yak. Like, what is that? I don't, I haven't seen. We, we we've never seen any of that, right? And so that was like astounding. And of course, Daniel Barker, you know, they pull up the the throwback screen, uh, which they did at Penn State. They just didn't execute it with with Daniel Barker not being downfield, and so he was definitely behind the line of scrimmage on this play. And so. I saw a lot of different things. So with, with Brandon Peters, one, I just think the accuracy was better. Now, why? I think he had good protection. And I think he did – a lot of times it seems like he loses receivers in play action. What I mean by that is when he goes to fake the ball and then looks, look, he has trouble finding what, what receiver he wants to go to and finding what the defense has done. He didn't have a problem with that, right? And so I thought that his execution was good. I also thought um, – he still waits until guys are open, but it wasn't as pronounced in this game as it was. And it's unfortunate because in the second half, he really didn't get a chance to really have a great second half based on how the second half played out with penalties and stuff. But we've been saying all year long, hey, if we just get 150 yards and two touchdowns from our quarterback, we'd be crushing. We've been saying that number four. We, we got that. We just couldn't run, and we had some issues uh, getting off the field defensively. And so, uh, but uh, hats off to Brandon Peters. He has to make those two plays. It could be a 20-3 to three shutout, you know, uh, a 20-3 game and look a lot worse than it really was. Yeah, I want to bring up uh, the second half, Jay, and I think there were a lot of issues going on at one time there. But why wasn't Illinois, who ran for 357 yards against Penn State, why were they not able to run uh, against Rutgers? Yeah, so th there was no surprise factor, number one. Uh, they, they were ready for everything. And, and Greg Schiano is, is known as a kitchen sink defensive corner. He's going to bring a lot of different things. And I think one thing Penn State didn't do, they pretty much lined up and said we're better than Illinois up front. We don't need to stunt. Um, where Rutgers is, is a much smaller defensive line. Julius Turner, Mike Tverdov, uh, Ture, all those guys are not huge, but they move them a lot and they're slanting a lot. And, and we struggled to pick up not just blitzes, but the, the stunts of the defensive linemen. I thought Julius Turner, the nose tackle, played a phenomenal game for Rutgers. He was all over. He's an experienced player. He's been there a very, very long time. He's got 40, 50 starts. But an undersized guy, but you know, re really wreaked havoc to our inside run game. Um, I also thought that our Titans didn't block as well as they have. You know, I think the most pronounced issue was um, you know chase brown by the end zone or luke ford unfortunately that stood up a little bit you know by a guy um and we just were not getting the same push that we got our offensive line didn't play as well as they played and they struggled with movement we knew they were going to stack the box what's interesting is that peters was able to throw the ball and they hurt Rutgers a lot throwing the football but Rutgers just stayed in there see after, after they didn't loosen stuff up they said we don't think you can do it all game long and that gamble actually turned out to be right. And so they played a lot of man coverage, a lot of eight-man box. And frankly, Illinois was just not great at getting up to the second level or even blocking the first level. Uh, I fought a Kasi good game, um, you know, the linebacker for uh, Rutgers. And so uh, and a lot of that was due to the movement of the defensive line up front. We're just not good with movement right now. Yeah, I'm glad you singled out Turner because uh, Doug Kramer and the inside guys struggled with him all day, and, and that's a pretty good interior for Illinois. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about the second half where Illinois got shut out. I know a lot of people are focusing on those last couple plays, and I want to bring that up with you, Jay. But I thought the issue was 
penalties just crushed you. And then the punt by Corsack just completely took away a necessary possession for Illinois. And, and, and the blocking wasn't good on those to give you, give yourself a chance. Sure. But I think people aren't talking enough about that. The penalties that just killed three drives and then a punt that killed the drive. Sure. So uh, we had outplayed special teams. Uh, uh, you know, Blake Hayes had some good bounces. It didn't seem like he was hitting the ball great in the game. If you were at the actual game, you could see how kind of low some of the punts were, low hang time, allowed some returns where I think, you know, Corsac lit it up, obviously, a couple inside the five, especially that one you mentioned in the fourth quarter that really was a drive we needed, but it was just uh, really squelched the play call. And so between the backed up drive and then three big penalties, you know, we had, and they were tough penalties. And what I mean by tough is, um, I don't think that Daniel Barker meant to chop block some. It was really a defensive lineman that fell down and, you know, it looked bad, but it wasn't purposeful. Uh, Julia, uh, uh, Julian Pearl's glove got caught on a face mask. It wasn't like he legitimately pulled a face mask, but it is what it is. They were called, not saying they were the wrong calls. Um, and what we see is when we're not able to stay on schedule, one of the beauties of the offense that we have is it's easier to play penalty free. We take our time to get lined up. So in hurry up offenses, you're going to have motion penalties and false starts, probably two to three a game. If you, if, if you watch a fast team get lined up, uh, you're also in a passing, have passing heavy offense. You're going to have two to three holding penalties a game because you have two officials literally looking at the tackle and defensive end one-on-one. Okay. You're going to get called. We don't have any of that. So right there, you take away five or six penalties a game with what we do. And that's why one of the more least, one of the lesser penalized teams uh, in the conference. But we saw we don't have the chunk playability, guys, to make up second and twenty, to make up first and twenty-five. It, it just, it's just not a possibility for us. Um, and defensively, they had some really silly penalties as well at times. But um, you know, we're just not explosive enough. And when our run game is not cooking we're really not doing anything well. And, and, and so that destroyed our time of possession a little bit. And we'll talk about the defense uh, as well, but um, we could not convert when we need to, and they could convert on third down. And that was a huge deal because defense is not just about how many points you give up. And we'll get into this. It's about how much do they have the ball? There was a couple of 30, 40 yard drives. They might not have got points, but they kept us from having the ball and really grinding out and letting our running backs get going. No, that's a good point, Jay. And I kind of want to compliment that with this is like, um, Illinois was not able to stay on the field in the second half. Rutgers was, um, they, they got, they, Illinois was behind the change in the second half. while Rutgers felt like it was second and four, second and five every time. Um, and, and they really struggled to contain that, that quarterback run. I think it was zone read, uh, that they were running a lot, which Illinois hasn't seen a lot of, uh, here right. recently. So, um, I thought the outside linebackers really struggled in this game. So even though Illinois kept Rutgers to 20 points, which should give you a chance to win, right. uh, they, they didn't make the plays they had the previous week against, you know, you know, it reminds me of, you know, when we lost to uh, Iowa in 2007, it was 10, six game and people said, Oh, you know, offense didn't play great. And certainly they didn't play as well as they could have, but we gave up probably three or four drives in that game of 35 yards uh, but they, but Iowa got three first downs each drive and took off five minutes, right? And so your offense is losing possessions if you can't get off the field. And that's what happened in this game. There are, our offense lost possessions, our inability to get off the field. And there was a couple of different things that were concerning to me. Um, first and foremost, our outside linebackers repeatedly got out leveraged on the flank, right? Um, 
you know, some, some of the stuff was schemed up. First play of the game was a scheme thing where that could have been a fumble. I think it was a fumble, by the way. I just don't think they had the look to confirm that it was a fumble. Um, but I thought, you know, as, as well as Kalen Tolson played last game, I think he struggled to set the edge and so did Isaiah Gay at times. Um, and, and, and they did a little bit different blocking scheme. If you're watching, they actually pulled out the tackle on what we call like a sprint block where they sprint and block out the defense of uh, the smaller. So a lot of times they'll block that guy with a receiver or a running back or a tight end. They were putting their offensive tackle on outside backers. It was very difficult for our backers to get outside and, and keep contained. Uh, they, they got, they got overpowered. So good blocking scheme there by Rutgers. So they got outflanked and then also the quarterback run. Um, you know, I always kind of scream and watching the game. Uh, I was surprised actually when Rutgers was third and goal with about five minutes to go in the game, they didn't do the quarterback run. Um, because if you looked at, you know, how do you know what's going to happen in a game? Well, you ever see those guys you ever watch a game, you see those little guys by the head coaches charting things or by the assistant, and what are they charting? They're charting what plays work and what they don't. And if I look at the chart, I'm seeing quarterback runs for eight yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, uh, the last time they did it. So when they needed a big play, uh, you know, in the last play where they really need to get a third down stop, the game was pretty much over at this point. Well, they do a quarterback run, right? Um, they're looking at charts too. We just didn't, we were just not disciplined at that outside backer position. And a lot of times teams will leave that outside backer unblocked and say, let's see if he can be disciplined. Now they blocked him in here and said, now you got to title the quarterback as well. I think that was a good changeup. And Illinois never really changed up well. I do think there were some players that played well. I don't want to keep talking, but I think Sidney Brown, again, continued to improve. He played actually a decent game. Big hit on Vedral, uh, some, some big plays when we needed him to make some plays. So there were some bright spots. But overall, I was disappointed from the defense for me, even though they gave up 20. Yeah, I hate to say this, Jay. Um, and I'm not trying to bring down the Illini staff. Um, Illinois outcoached Penn State. I thought Rutgers coaching staff had a phenomenal game. Like, right. I, I just think every, every call they made, especially even that fourth down, like that fourth down felt like they had the right play call at the right time. Uh, it was zone coverage, and the cornerback comes up and makes a great tackle in, in space. Like I just thought they had a great game where everything they did seemed to work. Yeah, I know. And talking about the last play, let's talk about that. You yeah. know, so – Illinois has been very successful at the quarterback sneak. I think if we, if we charted what they've done with the quarterback, they probably gained a yard and a half, maybe two yards every quarterback sneak. And whether that's putting McCray behind the quarterback and pushing, but it's worked. It's almost a guaranteed first down. And, and you know, the dirty little secret in college football is fourth and inches. It's almost a given that the referee is going to spot it so that when you sneak it, you're going to get a first down. Um, so let's go back to how they got set up. Again, in a critical time, for some reason, Chase Brown gets either nicked up or banged up, and we have Jakari Norwood in for the first three plays, right? I'm not sure that we are in fourth and ditches with Chase Brown at tailback. Yeah, can, okay. I, can, I, can I throw you in here, Jay? Uh, Chase Brown yeah. tapped his head. He was gassed because they used him so much, right? And, right? But still, you'd like your guy to stay in the game. But they go like, to, like, like, this is my problem. Um, I, I had more of a problem with the, the second and third down call then the fourth down call, because you got Jakari Norwood in the game. You're struggling inside run. It's not your inside run guy. And you've been doing well on the outside run. That's what he's good at. Um, right. I had a bigger problem there than, than the fourth down call. Yeah, I know. So I think you and I have the same thing. Like what leads to a fourth and inches? Obviously not doing great on three downs, right? And so uh, sometimes it's, it's a simpler explanation than we think of. But one, you know, I'm not saying Chase Brown wasn't gassed. Um. And if he was, I understand, maybe take a play, maybe take a timeout, 
because honestly, we wasted a lot of time in those three downs. It went from like three minutes to one minute like that. Yeah, Brett said um, today he wanted to keep all three timeouts if Rutgers got the ball. They did, but Rutgers got a first down. So just to explain and, that too. And, 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 you know, I, I understand you want to keep it, but like your offense is probably not explosive enough to score a touchdown anyway. Like this is your chance to score a touchdown. So if it comes to clock management, uh, we've had issues, uh, you know, Maryland game, Purdue game, and, and the punt in that in that high end zone area where we, we high red zone, excuse me, that we try to, we, we seem to stall out in. Okay. Um, so the fact that Chase Brown was out for three plays because he was tired or not hurt, to me, I just, I don't like it. I, I mean, I, I want to be the guy out there as a player. I want to be the guy out there. Maybe he was really gassed. I wasn't playing. Uh, so what can I say? Um, but call a timeout or maybe put McCray in for an inside run or an outside run for Norwood. But now we get to fourth down. And, you know, I kind of smelled something up when they called a timeout. You know, Rutgers was like, I want to, I think Rutgers called the timeout right on the first fourth down. And they're playing a lot of man coverage. And then they come out in zone. And, and the difference is this when they motion the receiver like they did in man, that guy would have followed him, right? And you're then the guy account, yeah, it, it's a touchdown to the guy. Where the guy's supposed to chase, to tackle Chase Brown is ten yards at a safety position. He gets the first down. You have a one-on-one, you know, which which will take Chase Chase Brown every down. At well, now in the zone, he just simply bumps it over to the left corner, and now not only is that corner on that side, he's on the line of scrimmage. So now the corners on the line of scrimmage. Chase Brown is six yards depth. What's going to happen if they meet in the middle? It's going to be a three-yard loss. What was it? it was three three-yard loss, right? Um, and, and really, Chase. Is not able to make a guy miss that quick in space. He's not really going. He's waiting for the pitch. He's got to catch the pitch, right? And he's got to get his eyes on the guy. And the guy's on top of him. So um, I would have, A, called a timeout if I saw that, or two, and I know fans would have booed about that, but two, uh, I would have just had, if Brandon Peters could, could change it, I don't know if he could, just sneak it. Hey, it, the play, the place, not the defense that we want. And so – those are the things that I wish would have been better. There's a lot of things that, that, that kind of culminated in being a disastrous fourth down play. That really was the game. Yeah. Brett said today too, Jay, that he was going to run a sneak based on the first spot he saw. Then they moved it back three feet, which he was very unhappy about, I guess. Uh, and then they, they checked out of it. I, I do say like they had two or three guys in the a gaps. I, I will say that, but you hope a six, five, 225 pound quarterback who gets the snap um, can make that play. I kind of understand the play call, but as you said, once Isaiah Williams, the, the defensive back did not go with him. Um, I don't know if Brandon, it was too quick to, to make that read, but that's where you want to either check out of it or, or say, Hey, we got call yeah. timeout. They got it read. Yeah. I mean, call timeout. You're giving it to your best player. We're taking respect. Um, you know, maybe you're thinking this is a chance for us to get a chunk play when they're not ready for it. it, it you know, if it works, you look like a genius, you know, right. if, if it doesn't work, we're having conversations like this. I, I thought what I was more disappointed with with the, the, the three prior plays. And it just seems to me that um, for one reason, sometimes it's an injury, sometimes it's gas. When we need some of our great backs to be out there, you know, we're, they're, they're not out there. We saw it in the Purdue game, you know, with Jakari. Maryland was out there, right? In the Maryland game. Like, we, we, like when we need our big play, uh, he got back out there for fourth down. But, you know, for me, it's like I didn't want to – we had a good rhythm going, you know. Yeah, the other the other part I don't like is how well Brandon was playing. So this is weird to say, given the season he's had, right. how well Brandon was playing. One of those plays, I would have liked the ball in his hands. 
I, I just, just, just to make a play, whether it's a rollout, he can run, he can do what I, I just would have liked him making a play because the way he was playing, I mean, he only had seven pass attempts uh, in the second half, two in the, in the last quarter there, only one on the final drive. I just felt like he was making good decisions. And, and one of the pa- best plays I thought he had all day was the, the pass to Marques that got called back. It was a beautiful ball. Um, beautiful. Yeah, that was, a, was called back on the Julian Pearl, you know, incidental face mask, still a 15-yard penalty. That was a great pass. I, I will say that was a good ball by him. Uh, and even go back to something easy. Go back to the throwback when that same area, you know, if they didn't stop it once, you know, an easy throw to Daniel Barker. Um, and it's a, it's a good play action set up after that. So I think there could have been, this is a game where I thought, man, it was tough for Tony Peterson because he got behind the chains and then had certain players were out at critical times. At the same time, I wish we went with the hot hand a little bit more in Peters and, and give it a chance. And so unfortunately it didn't happen. I think also, is Deuce Span healthy? Did he have one play out there I saw? Like, he played, I think it was four snaps. Four snaps. Like we miss a guy like Deuce just being able to take a shot. We took a shot to Isaiah, you know, um, again, receiver has been an issue, but I guess when I look at it, I don't completely blame the offense for this game. I just think the defense could not get off the field. The third down just was just difficult. We just could not get off the field when we need to. And we haven't been able to get turnovers the last two games. Um, Where I think if we get a turnover, that probably shifts the game. Whoever got a turnover, that would probably shift it um it was unfortunate yeah um and i think they were three for three on fourth down too right with a, the right. Se- 17 18 year old quarterback coming in and, and making a big play kudos to him but that that was maybe the stat of the game is, is Rutgers going for it on fourth downs and being able to get it and then illinois couldn't get its one fourth down yeah and one thing they did a great job that we've had success on is really the corner blitz brian uh ryan walters has brought uh, Witherspoon, he's, he brought Tony Adams on that play, and Pacheco, I, the running back, uh, picked him up, and you know, really some poise, some great poise from that quarterback to throw across his, the field on a drive route, and uh, it just seemed that when they needed to make poise, whether it was the Johnny Langham play or the Bo Melton catch, uh, when they needed to make plays, they had receivers that made plays, and I don't think we've had a receiver this year that's made a catch of those of, 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 like that, you know, we're like, it's a jump ball. And it's like, Hey, we can help them out. No, we haven't had great balls either, but they made some really critical plays when they needed to. And they always had the quarterback run to, to, to get them out of a jam. And that extended a bunch. Hats off to Noah Vedral. I know we've talked about Tony Peterson in the past. He's, he's kind of the target for Illini fans right now, Jay. And, and d- listen, there's, there's criticism to, to be had there. What do you think he can do better uh, in these last three games as an offensive play caller? Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for trying to get the ball to the two best players, right, based on what we've seen. Um, I I think for us to really – unless we have a game when Penn State, we're just just dominating up front, right? Um, We're going to have to get more chunk plays in the passing game. Um, I like that he tried – trick plays last week i felt like if there was a game to do trick plays the weather wasn't horrible and it wasn't raining and we needed something you know um i would have liked to see some of that here uh and more you know i, I didn't see i m- many times they didn't try, i thought isaiah williams could get the ball more so anyway i it's the same stuff we stay every week right like yeah. get, throw the ball more do some trick plays 
But if Peters is going to play like that, I think they can trust him more. I think we'll see more play action. You know, I think we'll see more shots on the field. And what, one thing they did do a good job of is they did do a good job of pass blocking for the most part. They gave him time. And so the offensive line played better in pass blocking where in other games they've been bad at pass blocking and better at run blocking. And um, yeah, so I, I look at it and, and, and I think, okay, Peterson's working with what he's got. I don't agree with the last series with the clock management of it. I don't agree with who was in there. I don't agree with the last play, but at the end of the day, I think for the most part, he's kept us in the game for the athletes we've had. Yeah. And it seems like they're, they're playing a specific brand of football. to limit other offenses, chances, right. Play uh, low scoring games. And to limit, uh, and to limit penalties and big mistakes. Unfortunately, <laughs> that we didn't do either one of those. And hence we lost 20 to 14. Just by trying to figure out this team is very, very difficult. Predicting this team uh, oh, is very, very difficult. It, well, it's tough too. It's, it's, you know, like there's playmakers, there's guys in every sport. We're like, if the guy can hit a guy in uh, baseball, you know, like, Hey, he can get runs. He's a hitter basketball. He might not, James Harden might not do anything but score, but shoot, he can score. He doesn't play any defense. Right. But man, the guy can score. So he's amazing. Right. And, and we're just looking for play makers, right. On defense and offense uh, that can change a game. You know, you ever watch like a top 10 team, let's take Ohio state. And they'll be close with the team. And then literally they'll get a play or two. And you'll, you'll turn the game back on five minutes later, they're up by 21. They're like, what happened? Trey Henderson happened. Yeah, Trey Henderson. <laughs> that happens all the time, right? That, that happens all the time with these big playmakers. And so we just don't have that margin for error with the athletes we have on our field right now. All right, Jay, going up to Minnesota and a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, I did not expect Minnesota to be atop the Big Ten West. Um, PJ Flex. Even if a lot of fans don't like him, he's doing a heck of a job uh, up there. And and despite all these injuries, they've been able to run the ball. And, and I think the biggest change with that team compared to last year's, their defense is taking a huge leap. So what do you think of this matchup uh, against the Golden Gophers at a place, Jay, they haven't won. Illinois hasn't won up there since 2009. Well, I will say this is that um, Minnesota, I think, was one of those games where you thought maybe it's a toss up for Illinois this year, maybe. Um, I, I think out of the three teams they have remaining, Minnesota, uh, Northwestern, and Iowa, um, they're probably playing the best right now. Now, Minnesota, this is this is by far their easiest game left on their schedule, I think, because they got Iowa left, right, and they've got Wisconsin, right, because there's a lot of division battles here to finish out in November, so this is how the West will be won. Um, when I look at Minnesota – and the injuries they've overcome, Mo Ibrahim, you know, out for the year of first game. Um, and defensively, what, what Rossi's been able to do, their defensive coordinator, just um, with really limited talent. That defense has not been the same since Antoine Winfield left two years ago. And some of the players that they had, um, had, had a barber playing linebacker as well a couple of years ago. Um, but they've been able to play defense and run the football. And they're going to do their RPO game, which is they're going to run their zone and they're going to have Tanner Morgan run slants to – whatever wide receiver they have. And uh, that's going to be what it is. it's going to be RPO. You're going to get 15 to 20 plays a game of that. Uh, you might not recognize it as that because it'll be 12 runs and eight passes, but that's what the, that's kind of the team they are. That's who they want to be. And they're going to be a ball control team. You got that from Jim Trestle, just like everybody else, right? They're trying to do the same thing that we do as a team. So it could be a very quick game and people are trying to run the clock and whatnot. But I think this is a very difficult game for Illinois on the road with all the circumstances that are going on 
uh, it might be tougher than Iowa right now with the way momentum is shifted for Minnesota and Iowa. So what do you think some of the keys uh, against Minnesota will be, Jay? Well, n- number one, I've always said this, you know, there, there's three tiers in the Big Ten, those that can run the ball and stop the run, those that can do one or the other, and those that can do neither. And when we can run the ball and stop the run, we can beat a top 10 team. Look what we did against Penn State, right? When we can't do either, and I would say last week was we couldn't do either against Rutgers, we can't beat Rutgers, right? So it's going to come down to, at the end of the day, Minnesota wants to run the football, okay? So can they be, we've been better in the interior than we have on the edges. I think Keith Randolph and Newton have been great. We struggled a little bit giving up the edge uh, in our defense. I think Barnes, um, Tariq Barnes, I don't want to say he took a step back. It was a different type of game for him, but he's not a great read linebacker yet. Uh, he's great when you just tell him to go. Um, and so we've got to figure out a way schematically to get him going downhill and not just waiting on the reading, but it's going to be tough in the RPO game because we're going to have to play man coverage. Why do you play man-to-man in RPO? Because your eyes are your, on your man. And so whether they're faking the run or not, you're guarding your receiver. If you're playing zone, man, it's really tough to play zone against RPO. I'm going to read run. They're going to dump a, a slant right behind me if I'm a linebacker. And so I think we've got to be solid on the edges because they're going to try to expose the edges on us with the outside zone. Uh, I think we've got to also be, um, if you're going to play Minnesota, you've got to be able to contest the slant. Okay. Slant's a hard ball to hard, hard ball to complete. Tanner Morgan, I've been I've well documented how hard I've been on Tanner Morgan for years, right? I ate crow two years ago. I was probably more true last year. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was the worst quarterback in the Big Ten West in 2019. I, I, I don't say that anymore. Um, but the thing about the slant route, which he throws very well, is if you throw it behind, it's a pick. If you throw it too far in front, the guy gets destroyed. It's got to be on the money, right? And he does a good job of doing that in their scheme. And they'll, they'll run a couple what they call sluggos. A sluggo is a slant and go, where they're going to pump it, double move you on the fake slant and go, go vertical and take some shots. So it's all based on that RPO. That's going to do defensively. Offensively, hey, we are what we are, right? I mean, like Denny Green said, they are who we thought we were. We're going to run the football, right? But we, so we got to be able to run the football because I don't think Brandon Peters is good enough to win, win a game just throwing the football. But I want to see more play action. I want to see more trickeration. At this point, why not? What are we saving it for, right? At this point, what, what are we saving for? And let's not forget, there's four games left in the season, uh, three games left in the season. It was our, and there's that four, four game red shirt rule, which you've kind of forgot about because of the COVID year. We could see more players getting on the field. Who are some guys they want to test out these last three weeks uh, that they could use that, that won't burn a year of eligibility? Good stuff as always. Jay Lehman, uh, not back-to-back wins, but that probably just means they'll go up to Minnesota and, and ruin their season because that's, yeah, I, can't, I, mean, I can't predict this team. Listen, that's what we do, right? I mean, we, 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 are, we are very, very unpredictable. But let's look at some of the teams. UTSA might be – I mean, Jeff Trailer just got a huge contract, contract extension, $28 million at UTSA through 2031. They're undefeated. They weren't that bad of a team. Maybe we shouldn't have got so much so down after UTSA. We should be like, we're coming up, you know, so – I don't know. I, you get perspective as the season goes along, and uh, we're just getting more perspective on this football team. Yeah, and Purdue and Maryland are probably going to bowl games, but that's what just makes it so difficult, Jay, is like Minnesota's taking advantage of this down Big Ten West, right? And uh, Illinois just is so close, so close, that it seems so far away given they're three and six, um, but they have lost four one-possession games. It's, uh, it's amazing how – small of a margin it has been but that that's what this team is it's got such a small margin well 
when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And I'll tell you this game, I think if we had better quarterback play in those three games, just to make a play when you needed it, it, it could be different. There's other factors. It's not all in the quarterback. So let me just say that. But if Brandon Peters plays like he did last week, I tell you what, guys, and that just shows the talent that he has. We'll be in every game if we can run the football moderate. We'll be in the game because our defense has been keeping us in the game. Um, so they could be exciting games. Uh, I know we have nightmares of what Minnesota and Iowa have done to us of late, but in Northwestern for that matter. But I think, and we've made a big point about this, and this is extra podcast time because we're about ready to wrap it up. There's a bonus for you. Um, Brett Bielan makes a big point of two things, the Big Ten West and winning at home. Okay. And Illinois has got a chance to beat their rival at home in the Big Ten West and play two teams that they've got to recruit against. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's there's teams, there's two more prevalent teams that take more Illinois players away uh, from Illinois than Minnesota and Iowa. I could be wrong, and Jeremy, you follow that closer. But No, I think these three teams, these three teams you see, maybe not as Northwestern as much, but Illinois trying to get in, kind of recruiting similar players now as Northwestern. But yeah, the Iowa battles, I mean, we know the Minnesota battles that have happened, and and Brett mentioned it today, we go up against each other because we want to do the same thing. Uh, and, and Iowa and Minnesota want to do the same thing. So. Right, right. And, I mean, there, there's there's stars on the offensive line. Skaronski at Northwestern. Iowa's tons of Illinois football players. Minnesota's coming here and got lots of Illinois players out of Chicago, out of the heartland of Illinois. And so these are big, even more than beating Nebraska or beating uh, Purdue, because they're a little bit different styles uh, than what they played. This is these, – these are recruiting games. And so I think there can be a lot of momentum – if we can show ourselves not only competitive, but win some of these games. So that's why I think the stakes are higher than what people think it is for a team that's three and five. Jay Lehman, you're the goods. Talk to you next week uh, after we see what happens up in Minneapolis, previewing a, a, a trip or a, a bye week and then a trip uh, to two rivals in Iowa and Northwestern. Thanks as always, man. Take care. Great stuff from Jay Lehman. Every once in a while, I got to remind myself, like, it's pretty cool to be able to talk with an All-American linebacker uh, and get his insight on this game. I, I learn something new every week, and especially when we do our VIP film room, uh, and just to make our uh, our pitch here, I, we watched the film, and we went through some Brandon Peters stuff that, that was positive, but we also went through some defensive stuff that um, probably got overlooked in that game by most fans just because the the defense only allowed 20 points, but they weren't able to get off the field at some points. And, and that time of possession really mattered in the second half when Illinois' defense really struggled to contain the run uh, on the edges. And, you know, Jay just sees things that I don't. Um, you know, so I might see on film that I think, oh, this guy was the problem. But he's like, no, this could have been the problem. So uh, this week in our VIP film room, we broke that down. So if you haven't seen that or you haven't watched those with Jay um, and you just want to know more about football, it is so insightful. We do it with Michael Tulip as well with the basketball side. And those guys just see things that, you know, me as a casual fan, I, I know the game a little bit, but those guys get it way at a different level, right? So, you know, watching with them just gives me so much more insight into what, what is actually happening. And uh, I think that makes us smarter as fans and we can kind of understand like what's going on. And that's why I, I always go back to the football film and watch a little bit of it so I can understand what happened in that play and not just say, oh, 
quarterback didn't make the play. Well, maybe there's something else going on. Uh, and Jay just breaks that down incredibly well. So if you haven't checked out those VIP film rooms, please do. And if, and if you haven't, if you're not a VIP member, I think those two things alone are worth it. And then on top of it, you get all the analysis, you get all the recruiting insight, of course. So I, I just think it adds so much value. And if that interests you, VIP membership is just $1 for your first month. So check it out. Uh, and just the first month of these VIP film rooms, we'll take care of it. And then I think you'll like the rest of our content as well. Thank you as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. We appreciate it. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. And everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Okay.